Today, the Matt Wall Show Disney goes into full-on panic mode after embarrassing photos leak, revealing its wokest remake yet. What they're doing to Snow White is truly a travesty. Also, a Biden administration official says that we can never know who left cocaine in the White House, even though, of course, we all know. Mike Pence and Tucker Carlson get into a heated debate about the war in Ukraine. The whole debate centers around a question that the Mike Pence's of the world have never really answered, namely, why should anyone in America care about Ukraine in the first place? In our daily cancellation, a Republican congressman is condemned by Democrats and Republicans alike for using the term colored people. But why is that term offensive exactly? We'll talk about all that and more today on The Matt Walsh Show. As central banks in countries like China, India, and Australia begin looking to transition to a digital currency, the Federal Reserve has been contemplating the same for the U.S. With a digital currency, the government could track every single purchase you make. Officials could even prohibit you from purchasing certain products or easily freeze or seize part or all of your money. Times like these are a great reminder to diversify a portion of your savings into gold. And you can do that with the help of Birch Gold. And they are who I buy my gold from, so do thousands of other concerned savers. Birch Gold will help you convert an existing IRA or 401k into an IRA in gold, and you don't pay a penny out of pocket. When currencies fail, gold is a safe haven. How much more time does the dollar really have? Think about that. So you got to protect your savings with gold. Birch Gold has an A-plus rating with the Better Business Bureau, thousands of happy customers. You can find out why by texting Walsh to 989898 and get your free info kit on gold. If a central bank digital currency becomes a reality, it'll be nice to have some gold to depend on. Again, text Walsh to 989898. Welcome back to The Matt Walsh Show. I've been away for three weeks, approximately 450 years in podcast time, uh, working on some major projects. Now, some who follow me on Twitter noticed over the past many days that I have posted a number of pictures of me out fishing with my kids. And this has led to some scandalous rumors that I promised major projects and then just went fishing instead. Now, it is true that I have done some fishing, but it's also true that I've been working on other projects not related to fishing. Uh, we're still not at the point where we can announce anything about those projects, but I promise you that you will not be disappointed when that time comes. I can also promise that I will not have any more extended absences in the foreseeable future. I'm back. I'm not going anywhere, whether you like it or not. Also, for the record, I did catch some really nice fish, but that's neither here nor there. Now, on to the first topic we'll tackle in my return. It's not necessarily the most important topic, but it is perhaps the most hilarious. And so it wins pride of place. On Friday, the Daily Mail obtained and published what it said were exclusive photos from the set of Disney's new woke Snow White live action remake. As we know, Disney's in the process of slowly cannibalizing itself, eating away at its own legacy until soon, mercifully, there'll be nothing left. They are recreating all of their own classic films, releasing new lifeless remake versions that are similar to the old versions, except shorn of all the charm and creativity and humor and beauty and, you know, all that stuff you don't need. They ask themselves, hey, what would our best films be like if they didn't have any of the qualities that made them special? They decided to find out the answer to that question. And uh, the answer is that, well, all the films suck, apparently. And as a result, they've mostly been flops. Each remake has earned increasingly diminishing returns. And so Disney responds by frantically blaming every new failure on racism and bigotry. This is their marketing strategy. Put out a crappy movie and then claim that anyone who doesn't buy a ticket is a Nazi. It was a relatively successful tactic 10 years ago, but there are diminishing returns for that also, because after all, most of us have now been branded Nazis 99 times over. The 100th time doesn't have much impact. It's all kind of sunk cost at this point. And uh, if these set photos are any indication, there will be a whole lot of Nazis refusing to see this movie as well. Uh, the Daily Mail reported, quote, 
Hi-ho, hi-ho, it's off to the job center they go, for the seven dwarves have been replaced by magical creatures for Disney's live-action remake of Snow White. The character of the fictional princess, who will be played by Rachel Zegler in the film, has been pictured for the first time with her new companions, who appear to be a mix of genders, ethnicities, and heights. The actress, wearing Snow White's famous yellow and blue dress and a red cape, is trailed by the group who are dressed in brightly colored clothes and carrying work tools. They were spotted shooting scenes in Bedfordshire on Thursday and pictures obtained exclusively by, by Mail Online. Disney announced that magical creatures would replace these seven dwarves to avoid reinforcing stereotypes after Game of Thrones actor Peter Dinklage criticized the effing backwards story last year. As we can see in the pictures, not only is Snow White not white, but the dwarves are not dwarves anymore. Behind the Hispanic Snow White, we see what appears to be a group of patrons just leaving the local Renaissance fair. They certainly don't look anything like people who get up in the morning and go work in the mines, or work anywhere else for that matter. The seven dwarves have become seven unemployed gypsies. And there appear to be uh, only one, there appears to be actually only one dwarf in the bunch, because apparently the most politically correct thing is to take jobs away from dwarf actors and give them to regular sized people. Now, I would have thought, if anything, it would, it would go the other way, right? In the PC Snow White, everyone should be a dwarf, including Snow White herself. In fact, that's a movie I would actually watch. But these rules aren't for me to make or understand. The Daily Mail has a little more information about this a flaming garbage heap of a film. It says, quote, co-written by Barbie's Greta Gerwig, the upcoming adaptation will not feature a Prince Charming and will instead focus on a stronger Snow White who dreams of becoming a leader. Ms. Zegler previously addressed reports that the film was trying to be politically correct, claiming that the story needed refreshing. She said, people are making these jokes about ours being the PC Snow White. Yeah, it is, because it needed that. Our version is a refreshing story about a young woman who has a function beyond, someday my prince will come. Yes, how refreshing. How unexpected. I mean, can you believe it? In this version, the lead character is a strong, kick-ass female who don't need no man. What a, what a surprising twist. I mean, we haven't seen a movie like this since literally every other movie that's been released in the last 15 years. A truly inspired choice by Disney. Only Disney, I mean, really, only Disney would have the artistic courage to do the thing that everyone else does and everyone expects them to do. Needless to say, in reality, the true refreshing spin would be a story where the lead actress isn't a flawless superhuman goddess, but is actually a human being with flaws and weaknesses and vulnerabilities. That would not only make her relatable, but would help create something that no major studio film has had in at least two decades, namely tension and suspense. You know, just like the most basic storytelling ingredients that you need in every story, including fairy tales. But of course, these stories don't have those storytelling ingredients because the stories are not stories. They are many other things, cash grabs, uh, leftist sermons, acts of repentance for past sins, reparations, virtue signals, ESG score boosters, many things. But they're not stories. They're not films. They're not art. Now, when the internet got a hold of these pictures of Snow Latino and the seven slovenly hippies, the mockery came fast and hard and hilariously. In fact, the mockery was so overwhelming that Disney panicked and issued a statement to the Daily Beast claiming the photos are fake. And this prompted a round of smug fact-checking articles from outlets like the AV Club, which ran cover for Disney with this headline, quote, Disney says obviously fake Snow White photos are fake. 
the article continues, people who love to be mad and loud on the internet really do just jump at any possible opportunity to get really mad and really loud. Even opportunities that are very clearly produced with that exact purpose in mind. Case in point, if you saw Rachel Zegler trending on Twitter today, you might have been surprised to pull up an exclusive set photo of the actress from Disney's upcoming Snow White remake. Zegler's casting already sparked a limited but loud backlash from a handful of people opposed to the casting of a Latina Snow White. But the mixed race and gender group of dwarves also sparked fresh backlash from Twitter users like Libs of TikTok and right-wing commentator Matt Walsh, who threw little temper tantrums. Earlier this afternoon, a Disney spokesperson told the Daily Beast, quote, the photos are fake and not from our production. We are currently trying to have the Daily Mail issue a correction. Yes, well, there's one problem about these fake photos. Um, the obviously fake photos are actually real. A few hours after issuing the statement, Disney backtrack, backtracked and admitted that they lied. The photos are from the production. They are not fake. They just aren't official, meaning that Disney didn't officially release them, which is obviously not the same thing as being fake. I mean, this is like if somebody snaps a picture of me unkempt and gross looking in sandals and sweatpants buying diapers from Walmart at 11 p.m. And I claim that the pictures are fake because I didn't officially pose for them. Like, that's not how fakeness works. The AV Club published this update on Friday evening. Quote, after initially telling the Daily Beast that the Snow White set photos were fake, a spokesperson now says the photos are in fact from the production, but are not official photos. We regret the error, and in our mind, they still look pretty fake. The following story has been updated to reflect this fact. Now, I don't know what's better here. The fact that the outlet tried to save face by adding that the photos still look pretty fake, whatever that means, or that Disney was so embarrassed by their own work that they tried to lie and claim that the pictures aren't real. No, that, that's, that's not from our movie. Those are just a bunch of uh, weirdos walking home from a thrift store. The company will spend hundreds of millions of dollars producing and marketing this film, and yet they are ashamed of it. As well they should be. This film, we can already tell, will be a travesty, like every other Disney remake. It's also an example of actual cultural appropriation. Okay, so when you hear this term cultural appropriation, you're wondering, what does that look like? Well, it looks like this. It looks like a Latina Snow White. Snow White is a 19th century German fairy tale. The name Snow White literally refers to the character's skin color. She is supposed to be white as snow. This is a defining feature of the character, as it was described in the original Brothers Grimm fairy tale. Reading now from the original fairy tale, this is what it says. And while she was sewing and looking out the window at the snow, she pricked her finger with the needle, and three drops of blood fell upon the snow. And the red looked pretty upon the white snow, and she thought to herself, would that I had a child as white as snow, as red as blood, and as black as the wood of the window frame. Soon after that, she had a little daughter who was as white as snow and as red as blood, and her hair was as black as ebony. And she was therefore called Little Snow White. Now, it's not as though Disney went searching for the new Snow White and they discovered that Rachel Zegler was so compelling, such a talented and powerful actress that they felt they had no choice but to cast her in the role. Like they had to make an exception because she's just so good. That's not what happened. No, they specifically set out to strip this character of her whiteness to make the character not white. This is appropriation. It is anti-white racism. Yes, it is racist to make Snow White not white because they are treating the whiteness of the character as a flaw that needs to be fixed. The lead actress in the film has even said as much, that they're fixing it. 
And from there, they destroy everything else that makes the story what it is. Everything else that made it resonate through the decades across the world for 200 years. Modern leftists, consumed by their own narcissism, come along and declare that they will improve what human beings have loved for generations. And their way of improving it every time is to simply dismantle it. This is what they've done to all of society. Snow White is just the latest manifestation. And it's not an insignificant manifestation. And, I, and I'll tell you why. Because you can tell a lot about a culture by the stories that it tells. So what does it say about our culture that we have no story to tell? We have only the negation of old stories. We don't write new fairy tales. We just throw the old ones in the fire. We pretend like we've created something new. But all we have done is defaced what is old and what is good. Now let's get to our five headlines. You know, I love anything made with top-of-the-line quality for meat. That's Good Ranchers. The only thing missing is a pork box. You know, it's the only thing they didn't have. It was the only hole in, in, uh, in the whole plant. Well, if you ask for it, they will deliver. Good Ranchers has just launched their prime pork, 100% American pork that is steakhouse quality. This new pork box comes with bone-in and boneless pork chops, sausage, smoke brats, and much more. Plus, Right now, you get $30 off with my code Walsh at GoodRanchers.com. On their site, you can explore their all-American cuts of prime pork, prime beef, and better than organic chicken options as well. If you've tried their beef and chicken before, then you know how amazing it is. You have to try this prime pork at least once. Trust me, they've got genuinely great products and top-tier customer service. So what are you waiting for? Enjoy real meat and real service today with Good Ranchers. Visit GoodRanchers.com. Use my code Walsh for $30 off any box. That's promo code Walsh at GoodRanchers.com. GoodRanchers.com. American meat delivered. All right. Um, you know, I did just realize that I'm, I'm wearing my, uh, I'm still wearing my baby shark uh, Band-Aid. Uh, I was going to take it off, but then I forgot. And so here it is. Look, when you got six kids, these are the only Band-Aids that you have. Had a little fishing mishap, and uh, this is what I end up with. Uh, it's a dangerous sport, fishing is. So I missed several good stories while I was on hiatus. I caught wind of these events. I heard about them vaguely, like like whispers in the breeze. Uh, I didn't take the time to investigate most of what I missed because I figured what's in the past might as well stay in the past and everybody moves on from everything about 15 seconds later. So it doesn't even matter. Uh, yeah, I heard, like for instance, I heard there was something about a woman on a plane who was attacked by a reptilian monster or something like that. I don't know anything else about it. I know there was an alien, obviously, but I don't know anything else. Here's one story that I did follow while I was away, and, and we have an update now. Um, and that is the tale of, of course, the cocaine at the White House, the stash of coke found at the White House, Hunter Biden's stash at the White House, the stash that we're supposed to act like might have come from someone other than the president's own cokehead son. And here's the latest from the Daily Wire. The investigation into the origin of the cocaine found in the White House was the best the Secret Service could do, despite not identifying a suspect, a top Biden administration official said. John Kirby, the coordinator for strategic communications at the National Security Council, told Fox News host Shannon Bream on Fox News Sunday that at the end of the probe, there wasn't enough forensic evidence to pinpoint the perpetrator. Uh, here's a little bit more from John Kirby explaining how this could possibly be the case. Listen. Certainly you can understand that Americans, many of them, first of all, are aghast that there was ever cocaine in the White House. We heard that there were reports of marijuana a couple of times found there last year as well. But more importantly, that 
it's case closed. In less than two weeks, we know nothing about who brought this in, uh, inability to track people, no surveillance cameras. What if it was something much more dangerous? Well, again, I can't really speak to the investigation that was done by the Secret Service. Uh, they did the best they could to, to track down uh, how it got there and, and who it might have belonged to, and they just were not able to come up with any forensic evidence that, that proves it. But of course, look, we take this seriously. That's not the kind of thing we want to see happen. Now, it did happen in a visitor's uh, lobby area, out just, just outside the main West Wing. Um, uh, so it was tr highly trafficked area. We're going to take a look at uh, uh, at how that happened, and obviously, we'll if there's things we can do to prevent that in, in the future, certainly we'll do that. Nobody's happy about this. I mean, if there's a way to prevent illegal drugs from coming to the White House, then we will. You know, if not, no big deal. What are you going to do? What are you going to do? It's not ideal, sure. Like we'd prefer if there wasn't cocaine in the White House, we'd prefer it. But life's not perfect, okay? You can't get everything you want. Sometimes you don't want cocaine in the White House and you get it. And that's all there is to it. Just get a grip, everybody. Calm down. Just cocaine, for God's sake. Needless to say, the government would not have this kind of casual attitude if cocaine was discovered in, say, your house or my house. This is the sort of leniency, the sort of uh, generosity of spirit that it only has for itself. Very, very magnanimous of them. You notice that about the government is that they're very... Uh, it can be very reasonable and very understanding uh, when it comes to their own crimes. Anyway, meanwhile, we're supposed to take seriously the notion that somehow they aren't able to determine who brought cocaine into the White House. Like, like they don't have security cameras everywhere. Like there isn't constant surveillance. Okay, if you if you pick your nose driving down the highway, you can be certain that your dirty deed was documented by. 47 different cameras. Yet, if you bring a controlled substance into the White House and leave it there, okay, so you, you take it out of your pocket or wherever you were stashing it, God knows where, and leave it there, somehow it's not caught by any cameras at all. I mean, they have a log of every single person who enters that building, when they enter, where they go, when they leave, and somehow it's just, it's not possible. They can't figure it out. And what we learn from this, obviously, is yet again, they just don't, they don't, they don't respect us. Like they don't, I think if they had any respect for us as the citizens, they, they would still lie to us, but they would at least feel the need to lie convincingly. Um, but the, here they don't. Like they know they're saying something that no one's going to believe. You think John Kirby thinks that any of us will believe that the White House can't, that can't figure out who brought Coke into the building? No, they know that we're not going to believe that, but they don't care. What they're saying to us is, yeah, you know that we're lying to you. What are you going to do about it? What are you going to do about it? Nothing. That's, uh, that's the message. Meanwhile, there's more from, uh, from the White House. Uh, this is also from the Daily Wire. President Joe Biden ignited a firestorm this week after a bizarre video of him emerged this week where he nibbled on a small child who appeared to not like the interaction. The video of Biden came from his uh, Helsinki, uh, Finland uh, uh, t trip and showed what happened when he approached a woman carrying a small child. And you hear, before you watch the video and you hear he nibbled on the child, you think like, what is that? Nibbled on a child? Well, yes, literally that's what he did. Uh, let's let's just watch this. Go ahead. Where's <laughs> going to play out? Hang on. 
that kid is, uh, well, that kid is reacting like anyone would react in that exact same situation. Uh, and uh, meanwhile, the parents, the, the child is, is troubled by it. The mom is just sitting there taking pictures. Uh, this is strange, to put up really mildly. Actually, this is gross, deranged behavior. This is, I mean, and I, I've seen some people excusing this, and we've seen this type of thing from Joe Biden many times, of course, over the years. And uh, the excuse is that, well, he's just being friendly. Uh, he's, he's your typical old grandfatherly type, and this is old people. This is what old people do. No, this is not friendly. This is not what old people do. Don't, don't uh, besmirch all elderly people by claiming that they just go around chomping on children that pass by. That's, that's, not what, that's not what old people do. Putting your mouth on someone else's baby is not friendly or normal behavior, no matter your age. And that's the kind of thing that shouldn't need to be said. Okay, nobody should have to tell you not to put your mouth on someone's baby. In fact, you shouldn't put your hands on someone's baby. You know, you're going up and grabbing someone else's baby. You shouldn't do that at all. Uh, again, the kind of thing that shouldn't need to be said. And it, it does need to be said to Joe Biden. And it's been said many times. And I'm sure his handlers have broached this subject with him, perhaps gingerly. It, is a, it puts him in an awkward spot, too. How do you have a conversation with the president of the United States where you explain to him that he shouldn't put his mouth on other people's babies. But I'm sure they have. And yet he keeps doing it. Um, and so there's this real compulsion here, which is what makes it all the more disturbing. And it also makes you wonder if he lacks these basic boundaries in public, like what the hell's going on behind the scenes? All right, uh, more from the Daily Wire. Republican president candidate, presidential candidate and former Vice President Mike Pence clashed with Tucker Carlson during a combative interview on Friday in Iowa. Pence's interview at the Family Leadership Summit focused on the war in Ukraine, his beliefs about what happened during the January 6th riot at the U.S. Capitol, and his views on the 2020 presidential election. Uh, this entire summit was, uh, was fascinating. Tucker Carlson did a brilliant job of um, questioning everyone who showed up, and all the major presidential candidates showed up, except for Donald Trump. He didn't come. But... Um, Tucker Carlson kind of shows what it means to, to like, even though it's no surprise, it's, it's no secret he's a conservative. And so he agrees, well, you would think he agrees fundamentally with most of these people, or at least they, they, they should have uh, much in common philosophically. Although when it comes to people like Pence and Nikki Haley, there's, there's not much in common there. Um, but in spite of that, you can still press someone and have a very revealing conversation. In fact, if you can, you know, if you have some common ground, it becomes a, it can become a much more probing and um, compelling interview uh, because now you're getting into more of like the specific details. And this is what happened with this. And, and here's one clip. This is specifically the conversation about Ukraine. And um, we'll play the whole interview. Some of this is being taken out of context. We'll play, the, we'll play the, the whole clip here, and then we'll talk about it. Here it is. We've been telling them we'll train their F-16 pilots, but now they're saying maybe January we'll let somebody transfer some jets. I'm sorry, Mr. Vice President. Have you – I know you're running for president. You are, distra you. You are distressed notice. that the Ukrainians don't have enough American tanks. Every city in the United States has become much worse 
over the past three years. Yeah. Drive around. There's not one city that's gotten better in the United States. Right. And it's visible. Our economy has degraded. The suicide rate has jumped. Public filth and disorder and crime have exponentially increased. Right. And yet, your concern is that the Ukrainians, a country most people can't find on a map, who've received tens of billions of U.S. tax dollars, don't have enough tanks. Right. I think it's a fair question to ask, like, where's the concern for the United States in that? Well, it's not my concern. <laughs> Tucker, I've heard that routine from you before, but that's not my concern. I'm running for president of the United States because I think this country's in a lot of trouble. I think Joe Biden has weakened America at home and abroad. And as president of the United States, we're going to restore law and order in our cities. We're going to secure our border. We're going to get this economy moving again. And we're going to make sure that we have men and women on our courts at every level that will stand for the right to life and defend all the God-given liberties enshrined in our Constitution. Anybody that says that we can't be the leader of the free world and solve our problems at home has a pretty small view of the greatest nation on earth. We can do both. And as President of the United States, we will secure our border, we will support our military, we will revive our economy and stand by our values, and we will also lead the world for freedom under my administration. Okay, so I will say that Pence's critics, of which I am one, have um, intentionally taken this clip out of context, which is, which is unfortunate for a number of reasons. Namely, it's it's not necessary. There's plenty there to criticize, but it's been taken out of context in a really cheap and manipulative way, and uh, they all know what they're doing. He said, that's not my concern, and what you see some of his critics on uh, Twitter claiming is that is that he was saying that the United States isn't his concern, but obviously he didn't say that. He's not going to say Even if he thought that, he's not going to say that. He was trying to say that the stuff about Ukraine isn't really his concern, Okay that Ukraine is not his concern. He was pushing back on that critique from Tucker. His wording was awkward. His timing was awkward. But come on, that's obviously what he was trying to convey. With that said, Tucker's point is entirely correct. Ukraine is simply not something that should be on our list of concerns at all. It shouldn't make our list of priorities, period. It's not on the list. And, uh, those like Mike Pence and Nikki Haley and the rest of the establishment Republicans and Democrats as well, who think the United States should continue to be involved in Ukraine, should even get more involved potentially, you know, they've had well over a year now to explain why this should matter to American families. Okay? Why should it matter to American families? It, it, it just An average American citizen who gets up in the morning and has kids, has a family to feed, all the things that they're thinking about and worried about. Um, why should this be on the list? Okay, why would an average American spend any time during the day worried about what happens with Ukraine? How does it affect us? And they've had a year, well over a year, to make that case and to explain. And they haven't been able to do it. The best they can do is say, well, it's, a, it's all about freedom and the principles of freedom. Which, first of all, um, Ukraine and its corrupt government cares as much about freedom and democracy as Putin does. And second, what does the freedom of Ukraine, like even if this was about freedom and Zelensky was some sort of freedom fighter, some virtuous freedom fighter, 
Still, how does that affect us? How does it impact us? Whether Ukraine is free or not, whether Ukraine is in its own uh, control, under its own control, under the control of Russia, how does that affect us? How does that impact us? They haven't been able to make that case. They haven't been able to connect those dots uh, because, because you can't. And they know they can't. And that's what really matters there. Uh, speaking of Russia, here's some great news out of Russia. Of course, Russia gets a bad rap. But uh, the fact is that they get plenty right. And, and we hear that, oh, you know, Russia doesn't value freedom and democracy like we just talked about. What, like, like we do? Yeah, we know Ukraine doesn't. I mean, we live in a country that can, where you can be branded a domestic terrorist if you go to a school board meeting. We live in a country where pro-lifers are pulled out of their homes by federal agents at the crack of dawn because they, they protested outside of an abortion clinic. Like, that's what happens in our country. So what exactly do we know about freedom here? That's a question maybe we should ask ourselves. But in any case, here's uh, Russia's latest alleged sin. This is from CNN. The Russian state Duma, or lower house of par- parliament, has voted in favor of a new law banning nearly all medical help for transgender people, including gender reassignment surgery, in a raft of new anti-LGBTQ laws in Russia. The bill, which had its third and final reading on Friday, prohibits doctors from conducting gender reassignment surgeries, except in cases related to treating congenital physiological anomalies in children. It also restricts registry offices from amending official documents based on medical certificates of gender change. The law must still be approved by the Federation Council and signed by President Vladimir Putin before it comes into force. Amendments made it made for its uh, third reading included uh, disqualifying individuals who have undergone gender changes from becoming adoptive parents or guardians, as well as the possibility of annulling a marriage if one or both spouses undergo a gender change and update their civil status records. Now, I mean, this is all great stuff. Of course, the claim that Russia has banned nearly all medical help for trans people is uh, is false. That's not what the article describes. Uh, it's not as if trans people are not allowed to get like heart surgery or something. Um, what they have banned or are trying to ban is sexual mutilation of people of all ages, which is exactly the correct thing to do. Okay, as I have always argued, yes, we start by trying to protect the kids because they are the most vulnerable, the most innocent. It is the most evil, the most egregious to butcher or mutilate children who have no capacity whatsoever to consent to this or to understand what's happening to them. And so we begin by trying to protect them first. And that's what a, that's what a decent society does. It's what decent people do. You protect the kids first. Um, but that's not the end of it. So kids should be the first ones we protect. They should not be the only people we protect. And all people, in fact, should be protected from doctors who want to profit off of, um, you know, their, their confusion, profit off the confusion of their patients, the mental illnesses of their patients, and butcher and mutilate them, um, you know, and, and sell them surgeries on the basis of false promises. That should be legal for everyone. And as I'm always explaining, um, it is not that we are banning, you know, I, I'm not saying that adult trans people should be banned from getting these surgeries. That is the effect, right? That they that if the surgeries are banned, if you're an adult trans person, you can't get them. But that's not where the law is targeted. It's about banning doctors from doing this to people. That's where the ban sets in. And yes, if you ban doctors, that means that they, well, they can't do it to anyone. Um, 
And that's also, if you say that it's a violation of rights, if we were to ban all so-called gender affirmation procedures, if we were to ban all of them for everybody, which we should, and this should happen on the federal level, and then if you claim, well, that's a violation of rights, whose rights are being violated? I mean, the people performing the surgeries are the doctors. So you're saying they have a right to do that to people? They have a right to take someone who's confused, take a man who's confused, who thinks he's a woman, even though he's not, a man who believes that his salvation, his happiness can be found in, you know, mutilating his genitalia so that it allegedly will vaguely resemble that of a female genitalia, but will never actually, never actually be female genitalia, will never have the function of female genitalia. Um, you're saying that the doctors have the right to exploit this person. The entire um, gender reassignment industry is built on exploitation and abuse. The fact that the people who are being exploited don't realize it doesn't make it okay. That's, That's how exploitation always works. Okay, there's always coercion with exploitation. And that doesn't make it okay, obviously. So this should be, this, this certainly is uh, the ultimate goal. And this is something that Russia has clearly gotten right. Vivek Ramaswamy has been surging recently in the polls uh, after this past, past weekend, especially. He was at the same event as Pence. Uh, then he did a big Turning Point USA event the next day. And th- there's one clip going back to the, uh, the Friday event. And he's talking to Glenn Beck about draining the swamp. And we've heard the promise to drain the swamp. We've heard it from Trump. We hear it from every Republican presidential candidate. And Trump was not the first one to, tr- to promise that. What we found is that no Republican president has actually done it, Trump included. Um, well, Vivek is making the same promise. But here he's asked, well, how will you do that? And here's his response. I'm coming in with a clear-sighted view, Glenn, of shutting down most of the administrative state. How realistic is that? Very realistic. So first of all, do it on strong legal authority. So I'm a unique combination. I don't like to brag a lot, but I'm a CEO, but I've also studied the Constitution deeply. And the Supreme Court right now shares my view of the Constitution. The U.S. president already has statutory authority. The Presidential Reorganization Act of 1977 says you can shut down redundant agencies. Well, when I look at what the DEA does and what the U.S. Marshals do, there's my legal justification for shutting down the FBI without asking Congress for permission or forgiveness. Jeez. You know, there's another justification, stimulating the economy, also in that same statute. The $80 billion spent in the U.S. Department of Education, you don't know what? That would stimulate the economy to give it back to the people. That's my legal justification. So I understand the legal footing. By the way, what stopped Trump? The civil service protections, they said. Correct. Well, guess what? Read the law. Civil service protections protect against the individual firings of employees for supposedly political reasons. They do not apply to mass layoffs. And mass layoffs are absolutely what I'm bringing to Washington, D.C. Would you lay it off, reform it, or close it down, these institutions? Many agencies, I would just shut down the agencies. There's a certain list of other agencies where we have 75% headcount reduction plans. And then there are other agencies which we move out of Washington, D.C., make people move. Many of them will volunteer not to. We save on the severance costs. Imagine that. He actually, now, does the fact that he has a plan for accomplishing this, does that mean that he'll be able to accomplish it? Uh, not necessarily. You know, having a plan is not the same as, as being able to execute it. But you should be able to 
explain exactly how you're going to do it. And this, this is what we should, whoever you support in Republican primary, this is what you should, this is, this is minimal stuff. This is minimal stuff. This is what you should require of whoever you support. That whatever their alleged goals are, starting with draining the swamp and, you know, getting rid of the administrative state, same thing as draining the swamp, it means the same, effectively means the same thing. Um, but whatever the promise is, starting with that, they need to be able to coherently explain how they'll do it. What is your plan? Walk me through the steps. And just saying, I'll do it and it'll be done. That's not enough. Anyone can say that. You need to be able to show that you understand how to do it to begin with. If you don't understand how you're going to do it, then you're not going to be able to do it. And this is one of the things I like about uh, Vivek Ramaswamy. Uh, and there's, there's still a lot, you know, my, I like a lot of what he says. He appears to be very competent. I agree with much of what he says. If I have one complaint about him, it's just that he's kind of, and this is, you know, this, maybe this is a holding against him, the fact that he's not a career politician, which is unfair, but he did sort of come out of nowhere. And so there are a lot of questions about like, where did this guy come from? What was he doing before this? Uh, what were his views on all these issues, say three or four years ago? I mean, all these are important questions. Um, but as far as what he's saying right now, I, I, I like a lot of it. And this is, this, is the, this is the main thing that I appreciate about him is that he can, in, in precise detail, explain, here, here's where the problems come from, and here's what we can do to fix it. And too often, we let Republican politicians uh, get away with making grand sweeping promises that sound really good, but without getting into the nitty gritty and the specifics. And what we found is that that really does matter. This is not just wonky nerd stuff. That really matters because when you're in office, if you actually win and you're there, now it's not about grand sweeping promises anymore. It's not about platitudes. Now you're there. Now it's a day-to-day thing and you have to be able to actually execute and a lot of what you're going to be doing, a lot of it's kind of like boring behind the scenes. It's not flashy, but you got to you got to you got to love that stuff, and you have to understand it. Uh, I think Vivek is one of the guys that, that appears to fit the bill there. Now let's get to the comment section. Are you tired of waiting ages for your grill to heat up? Now you could say goodbye to those tedious moments of impatiently watching the charcoal burn and say hello to instant barbecue perfection thanks to our new friends at Grill Blazer. Grill Blazer's grill guns are designed to do everything from expertly searing your meats to lighting charcoal grills, wood stoves, and outdoor fireplaces. Grill Blazer offers two types of grill guns. They have the Grill Gun Basic, which is a high-power propane torch designed to light uh, charcoal and wood grills and smokers. It burns up to 3,600 degrees. It's 30-inch flame is for anything you need a big, bad torch to do. And then there's the sous vide gun, which has a shorter barrel, barrel perfect for professional culinary kitchen uses from uh, 
gently uh, caramelizing brulee, which of course I caramelize brulee all the time. I know all about that, or other sugars and fruits, to rapidly searing steaks outside on the grill. Using the grill gun may result in extreme grill envy from your neighbors and increased demands for barbecue parties as well. Get your grill gun from Grill Blazers today and let the grilling adventure begin. Visit grillblazer.com slash Walsh and use promo code Walsh for 15% off your order. That's grillblazer.com slash Walsh, promo code Walsh for 15% off your order. I will say I feel a little bad about this because actually I lied. Uh, I did, I did sort of follow the lady on a plane on the plane story a little bit, and uh, because how can I not follow a story like that? And all I can say about that, I'm sure this has been said many times already, is that um, is the, the only thing that jumped out at me about all that that whole that whole scenario is that uh, I can't believe that nobody else got up and left the plane because I can tell you this: that if I'm on a plane and the doors are about to close and they haven't closed yet. And someone hops up and says that there's some sort of reptilian demon on board. And the guy being accused, as I understand it, doesn't even deny it. Uh, I'm not taking any chances. I mean, it's relatively a small chance that it's actually true. But, I, but I'm just not, I'm, I'm not starting a flight with that, with those kinds of vibes. That's the wrong energy, okay, on the flight to begin with. And so I'm just going to get off and rebook. Like, no trip is worth all that. Um, okay, so we haven't done any shows in a while, of course, so there are no show comments to talk about. But we did release other content during the break, including the much-anticipated, much-demanded video of me watching anime. And you can go to my YouTube channel right now and check it out. I did watch anime, as promised. Um, that was not one of the big projects either that we were working on. There were some people worried that, it was, that this is what it was all about. It wasn't quite that, but I did keep my promise because I keep my promises despite what you've been told. And uh, despite how brutal and torturous this experience was, I still did it. I watched a season of uh, the anime One Punch Man. Why did we choose that one? Well, because that's like many people. I, I have no idea which anime to watch. I, I'm. I don't think that any. It's they're all the same, as far as I'm concerned. But this was the from from what I saw in the comments, YouTube, Twitter, everyone's. Just, most people are saying you got to watch One Punch Man. So that's what we did. Um, our initial plan, we wanted to do a whole live stream event, but then uh, we discovered that, well, you can't really do that because we can't, we don't have the, but really it's just to, to get into the nitty gritty here, we don't have the copyright uh, uh, authority to actually play these, uh, these show, the, the, you know, the play footage of the, of the episodes so we can all watch it together. We're not able to do that. So instead, um, we made a video and anyway, there's, uh, we have a quick clip of it. Let's watch this. hours. Lost all sense of time. Maybe they've forgotten about me. What if everyone left and I'm doomed to sit here for an eternity watching entertainment for the most tasteless audience in history? No, don't look at the time. It's a distraction. It's been at least four hours, maybe five. Just hold out for a little while longer. Then look, you'll be closer to the end of this nightmare. The end credits, another episode in the bag. Must be near the end of this torture by now. 
This do it doesn't even make any sense. It's almost over. Okay, look at the time. I feel my grip on reality straining. Every minute I spend in here, I'm getting weaker, while anime fans get stronger. It'll gain a deeper understanding of their community if I just watch a season. That's all bullshit. Got to stay strong. Keep going. Right is becoming left. Bad is becoming good trying to break me down. When they find my body, I hope they know I hold on until the very end. Yeah, anyway, so there it is. I did it. That's the point, okay? I just want you to know I did it. And we have some comments from that. Um, that's This is the video that I'm pulling the comments from. Trollboy says, Matt Walsh gave his backstory and had an inner monologue during the fight. He is more anime than he thinks. I, I did hear that. That wasn't even an intentional thing. I guess it's just, uh, this is what I was worried about, is that a piece of me would be lost from watching the anime. And I would somehow become absorbed into this world and this culture. And uh, I think that's sort of what happened. Uh, Nick, <clears throat> Nathan says, One Punch Man is almost literally a perfect representation of conservative ideals. Uh, I, I, it's, I, I didn't see any ideals being represented. I had no idea what was going on the entire time. Maybe that's partly because I watched it in Japanese with no English subtitles. So, now, There were English subtitles, but I just wasn't reading them. Um, Caleb says, I feel like there was two directions to go here. One, make Matt's torture level as high as possible by picking an anime that is very stereotypical anime. He most certainly wouldn't like One Punch Man. Two, pick an anime that he actually could have hypothetically enjoyed, like Death Note or Attack on Titan that seem to be more Matt-type shows. The producers pick the former, which I respect for the comedy purposes of it. And I've heard a lot of this. There's a lot of people say, oh, no, One Punch Man was the wrong one to watch. you got to watch another one. No, 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 no. That's not how this works. I said I'd watch one, and I've done it, and that's it. And don't tell me now that it's the wrong one. This was, I, go back and read the comments from the, the original conversations about this. This is what most people said. So, you know, anime community, if, I, if we had the wrong anime, and there's another anime out there that if only I had watched, I would have fallen deeply in love with anime. If that's the case, you have yourself to blame because you didn't say that originally. You all said One Punch Man, and that's what we did. And Aaron Tanak says, you've fallen for our trap card, Matt. Nobody hates anime more than anime fans. Okay, well, I guess in that sense, uh, I truly am one of you. We're all, we're all in this together, I suppose. Companies are strong-arming their customers to support abortion, canceling customers for their political views, and making a mockery of women by supporting transgender models. No government agency, institution, or company is allowed to just be what it is and focus on fulfilling the tasks that it was made to fulfill. A beer company can't just make beer anymore. Their primary concern is not with brewing and distributing beer, but with showing their support of the left's political and cultural agenda. 
That's the way it is now, but Public Square offers a new solution. Public Square is an app and website where you can get connected to tens of thousands of businesses from all different industries that share your value for life, family, and freedom. Public Square also offers discounts to many high-quality businesses on the platform, so you can actually have an incentive to spend money with companies that don't hate you. Imagine that. Whether you're looking for new athletic clothing that uh, knows what a woman is, a banking partner you can count on, or simply a new restaurant in your area that uh, won't lecture you about your political views as you're trying to enjoy a meal, head over to publicsq.com. Public Square is free to join uh, as a consumer or a business owner. You can get started at publicsq.com or download their app today. That's publicsq.com. Also, when Jordan B. Peterson um, made the decision to join Daily Wire Plus, it was a major win for those who championed free speech and intellectual debate. With one year of unparalleled output, his contributions have set new standards and remain unmatched by any other platform. Daily Wire Plus now has a vast array of exclusive Jordan Peterson content, offering hundreds of hours of captivating content you just won't find anywhere else. Jordan has created thought-provoking works that reshape your perspectives on life, which include vision and destiny, marriage, and dragons, monsters, and men, all of them excellent. Additionally, you can immerse yourself in discussions that uh, that nurture your spiritual side, like Logos and Literacy in Jordan's groundbreaking series on the Book of Exodus, and that's only the beginning. I haven't even mentioned his Beyond Order lecture series or his extensive archive of lectures and podcasts. You get all of that, this uh, absolute array of all things Jordan, plus there's even more new exclusive content on the horizon. This is only the beginning. By becoming a Daily Wire Plus member, you'll embark on an unforgettable experience that will fuel your thirst for knowledge and inspire personal growth like never before. Go to dailywire.com slash subscribe to become a member today. Now let's get our daily cancellation. Every year, Congress passes a law called the National Defense Authorization Act, or NDAA. It sets the budget of the U.S. military, which accounts for nearly a trillion dollars in federal spending. Now, to put that number in context, after Social Security, Medicare, and benefits like food stamps, these military expenditures constitute the biggest budget item in the entire federal budget. Every year, the government spends far more on equipping the military than it does on, say, uh, transportation infrastructure or stopping fentanyl from flowing into the country. That's how big a deal the NDAA is, uh, in the eyes of our elected leaders anyway. And to put those numbers into perspective again, over the past decade, the United States has spent more money on the military than exists on the planet. In other words, if you were to collect all of the physical currency that exists on Earth, it wouldn't be enough to fund the military for 10 years. In fact, it wouldn't be enough to fund the U.S. government as a whole for even two years. We would get about a year and a half out of all of the money on the planet. So if somebody asks you, how much does our government cost? Well, the answer is all of it. It costs all the money. Given all that, it goes without saying that you'd hope your representatives in Congress would take the process of passing the NDAA seriously. You'd like to think that in Washington, there would be serious discussions about where all this money is going and whether it's actually making us safer before any vote was held on the NDAA. This isn't some resolution honoring a baseball team or whatever. This is the largest military budget of any country on the planet. But the truth is that we're ruled by deeply unserious and terribly stupid people who are apparently incapable of holding a meaningful debate about any issue at all. That was evident if you happened uh, to be tuning into C-SPAN last week when freshman Congressman Eli Crane of Arizona introduced an amendment to, to the NDAA. Crane is a former Navy SEAL. Uh, He dropped out of college a week after September 11th, and he went to join the Navy. Crane's amendment was um, to prohibit the U.S. military from recruiting or promoting candidates on the basis of their skin color, religious beliefs, or ideology. And if you care about the ability of the U.S. military to do its job, which, despite what Mark Milley tells you, has nothing to do with transgenderism or white rage, 
then that seems to like to be, you know, it's, it's a pretty reasonable amendment. But Crane's amendment apparently doesn't matter. It can't even be discussed because while introducing it, he accidentally said a word that the left doesn't like. Watch. Arizona. Well, Mr. Chairman, though, that was unbelievably inspiring. My amendment has nothing to do with whether or not colored people or black people or anybody can serve. Okay? It has nothing to do with color of skin, your, any of that stuff. What we want to... What we want to preserve and maintain is the fact that our military does not become a social experiment. We want the best of the best. We want to have standards that guide who, who's in what unit, what they do. And I'm going to tell you guys right, right now, the Russians, the Chinese, the Iranians, the North Koreans, they are not, they are not doing this because they want the strongest military possible. I Gentlemen, hope my colleagues on the other side can understand what we're doing. Thank you so much. Mr. Speaker, to be recognized to have the words colored gen- people. For what purposes generally seek recognition? I'd like to be recognized to have the words colored people stricken uh, from the record. I find it offensive and very inappropriate. Is the gentlelady asking for unanimous consent to take down the words? I am asking for unanimous consent to take down the words of referring to me or any of my colleagues as colored people. For what purposes, the gentleman from Arizona? Can I amend my comments to people of color? Gentleman wishes to amend his comments. Is the gentleman asking consent? Mr. Speaker, to have the word stricken. I didn't ask for an amendment. Is there unanimous consent to have the have the word stricken? Without objection, so ordered. Now there's a lot going on here. Uh, none of it terribly encouraging. All of it very stupid. The woman who's objecting to Eli Crane's use of the term colored people is Joyce Beatty, a congresswoman from Ohio and former chair of the Congressional Black Caucus. The phrase colored people really makes her tummy hurt. And so she rises to demand that it be stricken from the official record. Mr. Speaker, that that makes my tummy hurt. We have to pretend it was never said. She doesn't like it, so let's pretend that it was never said. That's the part that I like about this. Let's amend the historical record to erase it because she doesn't like the word. And the Republican Eli Crane immediately relents. He proposes to change his comments from colored people to people of color. But of course, that's no good uh, for Joyce Beatty. That's not enough. Once you say colored people instead of people of color, you're done. You're a bigot. Your word should be erased for all time. And it's not even, I keep saying that she was offended by the word. Um, That's not even it exactly, okay? Because the words are fine. It's just that Crane put the words in the wrong order. People before color is fine. Color before people is a hate crime and an atrocity worse than 9-11. Now, if you have a rudimentary understanding of the English language, this is all very perplexing. In terms of grammar and logic and common sense, there is no difference whatsoever between the terms people of color and colored people. They have the same meaning, which is not white. Like, that's what all that means. The only difference is people of color has a preposition and colored people doesn't. Now, you often hear the argument that colored people comes from a dark period in this country's history, and people of color is a more modern term that's free of all that baggage. But that's not true. The term people of color has been used as far back as 1807, decades before the Civil War began. 
Congress passed a law that year, 1807, which banned Americans from engaging in the slave trade for, quote, I'm quoting, any Negro, mulatto, or person of color. Now, let's think about that for a second. You're not allowed to use the term Negro anymore. Uh, it's a horribly dated racist term, and you'll lose your job for saying it. You can't say mulatto either, but person of color, well, if you use that word, which is from the same law that used a bunch of other supposedly racist terms in the exact same sentence, then people will know that you're definitely not racist. You're one of the good guys. It's absurd. None of this makes any sense. The reality is that people of color and colored people mean the exact same thing. And you'd think that Congresswoman Joyce Beatty, of all people, would understand that because she's the recipient of something called the NAACP Freedom Award. What's the meaning of the acronym NAACP? Well, as Joyce Beatty knows, I assume, it stands for the National Association for the Advancement of Colored People. But Joyce Beatty has never called on the NAACP to change their name. I actually checked. She's never done that. She's never hectored them from the floor of the house, demanding that they change their name to the NAAPOC. Why is that? No one in the media or the Republican Party asked that question. Instead, the Republican Speaker of the House, Kevin McCarthy, called Crane's comments unacceptable. So this was, this was a rare moment of bipartisan consensus in Washington. They could all agree on a bipartisan basis that uh, the words made all their tummies hurt, in fact. And corporate media joined in, as you'd expect. Media outlets united to write articles accusing this Republican congressman and former Navy SEAL of being a racist. NBC News, for example, reported that Representative Eli Crane used a derogatory phrase in describing his proposed amendment to a military bill. The Washington Post ran a similar story. Nevada Congressman Stephen Horsford is the current chair of the Congressional Black Caucus. He echoed the outrage of those media outlets and of the Republican Party. In fact, Horsford went on CNN to demand that Eli Crane apologized directly to Joyce Beatty and all of Congress. Now, Eli Crane had already basically apologized and backtracked on all the rest of it. But um, was that good enough for Stephen Horsford? Well, uh, let's find out. What that um, member did, Representative Crane from Arizona, was unbecoming. It was unprofessional. It was insensitive. The, the word itself has vestiges of racism. Uh, for that word to be used on the House floor in 2023 uh, is unconscionable. Uh, while he may have publicly acknowledged uh, the, his error, he still has not uh, personally apologized to the member, uh, Representative Joyce Beatty, that it was directed towards, uh, or the body. And look, Representative Crane and people like Senator Tuberville have, in, have proven time and time again why the importance of diversity, equity, and inclusion training is actually needed in this moment. Uh, at no point in that CNN interview was Stephen Horsford asked to explain why saying people of color is completely fine while saying colored pe person requires an apology uh, involving the entire U.S. Congress and individual representatives and the whole country. You know, he needs to, Eli Cray needs to go to each person in the country individually and knock on their door and say, I'm so sorry uh, for saying colored people. In fact, you know what I think Elon Crane should do? He should go to, uh, he should go to the offices, uh, the headquarters of the NAACP and apologize to them. Um, he should apologize to them. I'm so sorry for using the phrase that is in the name of your organization. Now, again, none of this makes any sense, but of course, no explanation is needed because we all know what's happening here. Woke rules are intentionally ambiguous and arbitrary. The point is psychological conditioning to get us to obey rules that make no sense. 
That's why you're told to respect made-up pronouns that are impossible to actually say out loud. It's why the Associated Press tells us it tells its reporters to capitalize the B in black, but not the W in white. It's also why a few years ago, the billionaire uh, Starbucks mogul Howard Schultz insisted on being called a person of means and a person of wealth instead of a billionaire. Now, one of the main benefits of these arbitrary rules is that they serve as signaling mechanisms. By constantly creating new and highly arbitrary rules, the left can cast out anyone who isn't up to speed on the latest lingo. Even people they're supposed to care about. Remember that uh, Canadian trucker convoy from last year? You'd think now, based on their political messaging, that liberals would have supported those truckers. They were working class men and women, people with no political power, who decided to make a cross-country trek to the nation's capital to petition their government. They weren't asking for handouts. They weren't violent. They didn't attack anybody. They simply wanted their government to affirm their right to decide what medicines they have to inject into their bodies. Or I should say what chemicals they are injecting into their bodies. Um, how did leftists respond? Well, they branded those truckers racists and white supremacists. And they did it in part by pointing out that these truckers didn't grasp the crucial distinction between colored people and people of color. One popular left-wing YouTube host smeared a Romanian uh, truck driver in Ottawa because he didn't use the approved terminology. Watch this clip and notice how depraved it is. Watch. You can't script this any better. Jesse Waters, newly minted as the host of, uh, I think, maybe the seven o'clock hour. Jesse Waters now has a show daily on Fox. He wanted to prove how not racist the truckers are. So he finds a freedom convoy trucker named Saba Vizi and brings him on to prove how not racist the truckers are. And the trucker says, I'm not racist. I have colored friends. Guys, it's 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 beyond parody. Take a look at this. It, it sounds like a, like an SNL skit. It was only one guy. <clears throat> so we are not racist. I have uh, all type of friends, color friends, Spanish, Chinese. You know, they are great people. There is no racism here, guys. I don't know. Uh, if he has colored friends, how racist could he really be? It's it's beyond parody. Now, to be fair, he clearly speaks English as a second language. So the use of the word colored could be a language issue, but the optics are absurd. Hmm. The optics are absurd. Now, the host wasn't alone. The online left went nuts over this clip. They couldn't get enough of it. This clip was their excuse to label a quintessential member of the working class, a trucker who drove thousands of miles to Ottawa to peacefully protest as a hateful bigot who should be discarded. All because he didn't spend four years at, you know, a University of Toronto or something learning the right lingo. He's a Romanian. English is his second language. So let's all laugh at him. This is part of the point of the woke language rules. It's designed precisely to set traps for people like that Canadian trucker. If it works on Republican congressmen, well, that's just a bonus for the left. But what they know is that working class people are not aware of the uh, new language rules. They aren't spending their days keeping up to date on all this stuff. And so they will inevitably run afoul of the rules. That gives the left an excuse to rip them to shreds. And ripping people to shreds, especially normal working class people, is the left's favorite pastime. So you can say people of color all you want, but don't you dare say colored people. Those are people of color, but they are not colored. Now, how can a person be of color? and yet not colored? Well, who knows? 
Sometimes you'll hear a claim that people of color is better because it puts people before skin color, thereby reinforcing the humanity of the individual or some such nonsense. But this makes no sense because it's okay to say black people. Nobody ever says people of black. So a person can be a black person, but not a colored person, but he can be a person of color, but not a person of black. You understand now? No, of course not. But you're not meant to. The arbitrariness and ambiguity is the point. It's all a mind game. The rules are not supposed to make sense, which is why the only sensible recourse is to ignore the rules completely and simply say whatever you want. And that is why Joyce Beatty and the rest of the perpetually and randomly offended brigade are all today canceled. That'll do it for this portion of the show as we move over to the members block. Hope to see you there. If not, talk to you tomorrow. Godspeed. This show is brought to you by Helix Sleep. Sleep, especially as you get older, is so critical, but no two people sleep alike. That's why Helix offers several different mattress models, each designed for specific sleep positions and preferences. Go to helixsleep.com dailywire and take their sleep quiz to find the mattress made for you. Whether you're a side sleeper, a stomach sleeper, a hot sleeper, or a cold sleeper, Helix has just the mattress for you. I took the Helix sleep quiz and was matched with a Helix midnight mattress because I wanted a medium firmness and I sleep on my side. I am sleeping so much better on my new mattress. Don't want to take my word for it? Well, Helix has been awarded the number one mattress picked by GQ and Wired Magazine. It's even recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a go-to solution for improving your sleep. Take the quiz and order the perfect mattress right to your door, shipped for free. It's so quick and fun to unbox, and you won't believe how well you'll sleep. All Helix mattresses come with a 100-night trial and a 10- or 15-year warranty. Helix even offers financing options and flexible payment plans. A great night's sleep is never far away. Helix is offering 20% off all mattress orders and a free bedroom bundle for our listeners. Go to helixsleep.com dailywire and use code HELIXPARTNER20. This is their best offer yet, and it won't last long. That's helixsleep.com slash dailywire, code helixpartner20.